Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. Uh, this is the <clears throat> sometimes on, sometimes off Dr. Simon talking about war and peace today uh, in Stories of War and Peace, the show being the stories we live by. Uh, my last show several weeks ago was stories about religion and how powerful those stories are. And uh, I thought today I would talk about <clears throat> one of the more popular stories uh, that we live by, and that is war. A um, couple of things uh, I, I want to say before I start this show. Well, well, starting it, but related to the show. One, people pray for peace, but all they do is make war. The, the human race is constantly at war. Uh, somebody pointed out to me some years ago, a historian, that uh, recorded history is about 5,000-some hundred years uh, old. And if you look at recorded history, only about 100 or so or 200 years uh, uh, is war not the central focus of history, the driving force of history? So the question uh, to ask is, why do we pray for peace and have war uh, really needs some kind of answering, particularly because the kind of wars we now fight with the advanced technologies that we have are increasingly deadly. And um, nobody seems to win them. Uh, the win is very often a pyrrhic victory. We are now trapped in the United States in two wars uh, and no end in sight. It's almost as if uh, the prophecies of 1984 are coming true when the world is divided into three uh, areas of influence that are constantly at war with one another. Um, so, War seems to be the dominant activity in human behavior, one of the dominant activities. And so if you ask why is there war, I think it's the wrong question. I think the question is why is there ever peace? And uh, we really should be trying to answer those questions. Why war? Why ever peace? And why is peace such a frail um, um, kind of a time? Uh, somebody once said, again, I don't remember who, peace is the time it takes for nations to rearm for the next war. War is the, is the usual condition that we're in, even though uh, I believe it is the greatest failure of moral, uh, uh, moral law and moral rules that human beings uh, can do, uh, can engage in. Uh, it is a failure of our humanity. It is a failure of, of life. It is against life. Uh, it, it is anti-life. The whole purpose of war is to destroy and uh, kill uh, and, and, and maim. Uh, and uh, this is, is, is our activity, and it's getting worse. And I personally don't believe that unless we change this around uh, and begin to understand a little bit about what we're doing to ourselves, as a species, that we're going to make it as a species. Uh, we're perfectly capable at this point of destroying the planet that we're on, and uh, this is what we seem to be uh, hell-bent on doing. 
Now, when I talk about this material uh, today, when I talk about uh, these ideas, I want to make sure that I understand that I'm not going to make any moral judgments about who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. Everybody who seems to go to war, every nation, is convinced they're the good guys. Um, there are those who in the United States today uh, believe that America can do no wrong. I think that's the more general attitude. Uh, I believe that America is as capable of starting a war and carrying it through uh, as any other country on the, on the planet. So I'm not going to make a moral judgment about America being a good place or so many who protest the war that America is a bad place or that any other country is a good place or a bad place when they start a war. I take the stand that war itself is immoral uh, and there's always a way of, of avoiding war if we wanted to, if we had the will, if we had the intelligence. Uh, but America is neither a good guy or a bad guy in this scenario nor are any of the nations fighting us. It's the same argument I make when I say, let's stop calling people mentally ill when we don't understand their behavior. Because the word mental illness has nothing to do with real illness. It's a series of moral judgments about behavior we don't like and we don't understand. Uh, <clears throat> I don't like war and I don't understand much of why we go to war. So I suppose as a psychologist I could say it's all madness and there are psychologists and psychiatrists who take that stand, that uh, this is the crazy part of humanity. But that explains nothing. That only puts another kind of judgment that pretends to be medical and not moral when it in fact is a moral judgment. So to say that America or Iran or Iraq or Russia or any other country is good or bad, and that's why they make war, answers nothing. So we need to go into the sociology and the psychology of war. Um, it would seem to me, as an observation, that men uh, want more, more than women. In fact, I think one of the reasons that men uh, have always and continue to try to suppress women is that uh, they um, need a free hand in fighting their wars, in starting and carrying out wars. Uh, the, if the moral imperative is all right, big enough, men will sacrifice their own children and be proud of it. In fact, that's so much a part of the psychology of war, that no matter how many people die, uh, or in fact, the more people die, the more we seem to be uh, bent on saying how proud we are of these young men for having died. Um, not that they're doing immoral things when they go to fight a war. They believe they're doing right. They believe that they are the next generation defending the good. But from my point of view, since war is immoral, nobody is doing good. Uh, although that's part of the reason there's such a continuance of war. Women are more likely to try and protect their children. After all, they go through a lot of trouble and pain to give birth to them. Uh, now, that's not to say I'm right about this, because there are women leaders uh, in my lifetime, uh, Margaret Thatcher, 
seemed as capable of starting a war and carrying it out as any man. Um, but I have a feeling uh, that if women ultimately uh, achieve real parity and equality uh, in the world in terms of uh, uh, their ability to create moral philosophy and create laws, uh, that the amount of war that we engage in might very well be less. I don't know that's true, but it's certainly a hope of mine. Now, when we look at how war continues uh, or why it starts, there are all kinds of theories, and I could spend a little time on that. Freud believed that men especially uh, are basically hunting animals. And they have really two major desires. Their major desires are to fuck and to kill. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to use the word make love. Uh, I'm going to use the word uh, fuck, uh, not because I think it's a curse word, but because I think it really expresses something um, in terms of sexual behavior. Uh, I think one can fuck and make love. Uh, I think all the euphemisms we have about sex uh, sleeping together, uh, uh, all kinds of words, really miss the point about sex for most men, that their desire is for the raw carnal pleasure. Uh, and, and the word I think best that describes that is the fuck. So fucking and killing uh, are the desires that men have. Uh, that, I think, always, not that I think it's not true, but I think men have other desires. I think I've spoken about this over all of my, my uh, shows, that uh, all human beings have a need to create, to build. Uh, I think men have as much a capacity to love as they do to hate. Uh, and I'll talk about hate and fear in a moment in relation to war. So that Freud really had a kind of a biological view of why we have war. And he ultimately... Uh, before he died, sort of reworked his theory. He said men want to—they uh, want sex and they want to kill, but they also want to love. And he revamped that theory. He said that um, there are two main goals uh, in, or drives in life. Uh, the love part became eros, a desire to build, to make peace, and thanatos, to destroy and to die. Uh, I've never found those ideas particularly simpatico. I think they're kind of complicated, particularly. But, but that was Freud's view. Um, the evolutionary psychologists, and I have always have a lot of respect, and a lot of my ideas come out of evolutionary psychology, would say that since war is one universal activity, it must have some kind of biological base. And I do believe it has a biological base, but not a drive for war. Uh, our passion for war comes out of the human needs that I spoke about last week when I talked about religion. Uh, I think human beings need to have meaning in life. They need to self-actualize. And when life is meaningless, because uh, life is meaningless unless we create meaning for it, in my view, uh, again, I don't believe in any kind of religious uh, uh, idea that we have to find the meaning of life as it's given to us. I think we have to find meaning in life, purpose in life. Otherwise, there's no reason to suffer. 
There's no reason to get out of bed in the morning. Life is, is aimless. It has no direction. Uh, I think we need that. We need pride. We need to feel that we matter, as I spoke uh, about in my last shows. We need to matter. And war provides all of that. War provides meaning. Uh, if you look all over the world, uh, once men survive a war, it becomes uh, uh, the basis of much of their self-worth and their self-esteem. Uh, and most countries, uh, most nations, most civilizations take great pride in men who go off to war. Of course, we're going around in a circle now. It's not that we shouldn't take pride in people who do what's best to save their civilization, to save their nation. Uh, the question is that they have to go and save it in the first place. And that I want to spend some real time on. Uh, why is war necessary? And the answer to that is uh, because there's war. Because it's so easy for men, uh, generation after generation, to seek the meaning in their life as soldiers, uh, that it's so easy for those who lead to declare the necessity for the next war and to have, uh, have young men and, and society all band together uh, in a kind of a mindless dance uh, to say that this is your moment to uh, do what is necessary to protect your society, to protect your civilization, and go off and be the hero that war <coughs> will make of you. And if you survive, we will uh, give you a parade once a year, you will have your uniform, you will have your medals, uh, and society uh, will generally not question um, uh, the heroism and the meaning of your life. Uh, one of my favorite movies is a uh, Henry V, which is the Shakespearean play. Uh, and the uh, uh, movie deals with Henry's uh, invasion of France and uh, the fight that takes place on St. Crispin's Day. Uh, I'm not even sure what holiday that is, but it's St. Crispin's Day. And he gives the speech, the St. Crispin's Day speech to his men, and he tells them, that this day when you come home, uh, you will be honored and you will be glad that you fought and paid whatever price is necessary because from now on your life will be worth much. And uh, those who did not have this opportunity, the honor of fighting this war, which he started, which of course was of no necessity whatsoever, um, uh, that, that, that pride will give meaning and all those who did not fight in this war uh, will be ashamed and their lives will be diminished because they were not here to fight the French troops. And I think that is so much of the psychology at the heart of why there is endless war. It is to find meaning and purpose in life. And each generation seems to have little trouble saying, let's go to war uh, and uh, create a necessity for that war so that uh, young men especially can find real meaning in life. Uh, I'm convinced that if men could give birth, uh, uh, as women do, if there was just one sex, there would be a hell of a lot less of that because many of the women I know uh, 
who have children find a great deal of purpose and meaning in life because they're able to give birth. The biological nature of, uh, of, of birth uh, provides its own meaning. When I used to work in Brooklyn, uh, many of the students that came to me were um, uh, poor, and many were tangentially involved or directly involved with gangs. And it was clear that their manhood, of the young men especially, and the women, depended upon their ability to have sex and to fight. Biological activities, uh, fighting and, and fucking, these provided the meaning in their life. Uh, and the gangs were organized around those activities. What was so interesting is that if they got a real education, if they began to understand more about philosophy, if they were able to step out of the value system that defined the box of their lives, the fighting stopped. And the meaning in their life became more intellectual. It became more around our money. It became more around a pride in long-term goals that were really creative and not destructive like so much of violence has to be. And I suppose that's where the hope for my, my hope lies, that we uh, increasingly educate men and women, uh, that they respect one another, and that they find meaning in life in creation and not destruction. Uh, I don't know how probable this is, but that's my hope. Now, I have a hope, a wish, that anybody in the world who calls for a war is immediately stomped to death by those who would have to go and fight it. Just stomped, shut up, locked up, maybe treated as mentally ill. But that doesn't happen. And the way in which wars are created, it's how they start, is, is the leaders stoke a fear. They create a fear that there is an enemy. Uh, the enemy is almost always the scapegoat. Uh, often, the enemy is weaker or has no particular uh, ability uh, to fight, uh, but is made to create the, an image that they are a violent, non-human menace. And I have spoken about this on my show many, many times, the ease with which all of us as human beings dehumanize other human beings so that we don't see them as an, individual's, an individual with a name, with a life, a mother, a father, a sister, a brother. We don't see them as human. We don't see them as motivated by the same things that motivate us as individuals. We see them as the other, the dehumanized enemy that has to be defeated. The Nazis did with the Jews. I see this happening uh, more and more in this country with Muslims. Uh, but that's okay because the Muslims... Uh, refer to us in, in the West, particularly in the United States, as the great Satan. We do this with religious symbols. We do this with economic symbols. It's done around race. Uh, the, our president today is reviled in ways that I can remember no president being reviled. Uh, and I'm convinced that one of the reasons is that so many white people are terrified that a black man uh, leads 
a man of color leads the United States in the free world. Uh, so the leaders who start the wars and the people who profit from wars are the ones who really want the wars or initiate the wars. Uh, somehow there is never a discussion in this country or any other country about the people who make the armaments and the profits they make and their vested interest in continued war. Uh, weapons have never been made not to be used. One of the great myths and, and justifications for war is that we won't start a war because these weapons are too awful to use. Uh, but in fact, no weapon is ever made unless it has an intent to be used. And it has to be used and used up so that more weapons can be made and better weapons can replace the, the uh, older weapons. And aren't we wonderful on this planet? Uh, uh, how creative our technologies are in creating weapons of mass destruction uh, and, and, and deadliness um, that can kill from a distance so we don't even know we're killing who we're killing uh, and, and we don't have to look into the eyes of those that we are killing, which makes it a much harder task to take a life. Hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat uh, is, is much more difficult than firing missiles at long distances, or as I read in the paper today, more and more drones being sent up to kill people and maim. Uh, and how happy so many Americans are that this is happening. Uh, it protects our own. Uh, but can you believe for one second that these drones will not become the weapons of the future and used on us as we use them on others? The spread of weapons has never, ever stopped. The English at uh, the St. Crispin's Day, uh, the fight in France, uh, had invented the longbow or perfected the longbow. And they killed 10,000 French because the French had the short bows uh, and they couldn't reach the English while they were being showered with thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, deadly arrows. Uh, but in the next war, everybody had that weapon. Uh, the countries that had the machine gun first fought next against those who had machine guns. Uh, weapons, uh, mass destruction, the atomic weapons are now held by any number of countries uh, willing and proud to use them on the dehumanized enemies uh, that they believe threatened them. And in fact, do threaten them. At this point, we threaten each other by nation, by individual, by, by nationality, by religion, by race. We are all armed to the teeth. While the world uh, suffers hunger, massive hunger, in spite of the fact there are surpluses of food, uh, the people starve while their leaders buy weapons to defend themselves against those who believe they believe, want to hurt them first. So, you stoke the fear. You choose the scapegoat. You create the dehumanized enemy. And before you know it, you're locked in combat. Which each side claiming they didn't start it, each side claiming God is on their side. And from my point of view, God could not possibly be on anybody's side in terms of war. 
But that's my problem, because I don't believe in gods or God or any other superhuman factors that can help justify uh, the slaughter and the carnage and the damage that we do to ourselves and others in the name of finding some purpose and meaning in life. So, I don't know, I don't think anybody hears this. I'm not sure how many people ever do hear me. Um, uh, my wife says, listen, you get a couple of people who uh, archive, maybe you should do something more. I'm not sure what I should do. Uh, but I feel a need and a purpose to lay down uh, these stories, to give my point of view, um, a kind of a, uh, uh, a memorial to myself. I don't know how long... Um, uh, uh, blog talk radio will last I have a feeling it may last into the future and hopefully uh, last a long time uh, long after I'm gone and uh, these shows I've done uh, which I believe strongly uh, in, in the, in the, in the um, veracity the truth of what I say um, in, in the moral purpose of, of what drives me uh, these will be a kind of a memorial and so whenever I think of something I really feel I'd like to talk about, like in this case, war and peace, particularly since I have uh, grandchildren uh, whose futures I fear for greatly, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, this from a point of view of the psychology of, uh, of the war. Uh, interesting. Um, we hate war. We pray for peace. Uh, but uh, patriots and heroes are those who go to war. Now, I've lived uh, through two wars, I believe, unjustly started by America, uh, and history has already proved me right on one. Um, even McNamara, uh, who, started the, uh, who was the architect of the Vietnam War, admitted before he died the whole thing was a damn mistake. We didn't have any purpose in it. Um, the, the China uh, was not running in. The dominoes were not about to fall. Uh, we lied about the Gulf of Tonkin. Uh, there was no attack on our boats um, that justified the bringing up a half a million troops and putting them into that country, killing millions and millions. Uh, and today, North Vietnam and South Vietnam are one country, and uh, Americans go there in fairly large numbers as tourists. Uh, what did we fight for? But uh, it wasn't hard to start that war. It's never really hard, given how human beings seek purpose and the way in which uh, we revere the man on the horse with the sword. Uh, that's a point I should make. Uh, in the town square all over the world, it's a man on a horse with a sword. Sometimes it's the poet or the artist but not as often as the man on the horse with the sword, who is the symbol that young men ought to look up to. Uh, <clears throat> during the Vietnamese War, uh, I was very much against it from the beginning. Uh, I felt this was a tragic mistake, uh, a tragic loss of life, of money, uh, another act of horror, which in this case, unlike World War II, uh, we could justify that we were the ones attacked. Uh, <clears throat> this is the one we initiated. I think a terrible thing for us to have done. I don't think we've ever regained our moral 
uh, our moral uh, value, our moral worth. I don't think we've ever come to grips with what we've done. Uh, but anybody who wanted peace was considered weak, was considered like a woman, uh, and only those who thumped their chest and said, more war, more death, more troops, uh, uh, those were the real men, and those were the real patriots, those were the real heroes, and um, thus it is always so. So while we're praying for peace, we curse the peacemakers. It is the warriors that we really admire. Um, again, I think that's in part the way cultures have developed, but I think it's also in part in, built into the biology of us. We love combat. We love sport. Uh, perhaps the, the, the uh, progress, moral progress has been made in that so many of us band together as tribes around the Yankees or the Mets or the Giants or football teams. Um, so the combat at least in many cases on Sunday, uh, is over by uh, 7 o'clock. People have a few drinks. They have a couple of beers. Uh, they have some eats, and they go home, and everybody has lived. But the combat seems to be so much a need for human beings to express themselves, particularly men. So I think there is this biological uh, peace that's built in. Uh, to be the warrior uh, is to be physical. And unless there's an overlay of other kinds of value, uh, to be the poet, to be creative, to cook, uh, that there really is no chance for this uh, worldwide menace to ever be turned around. And I do believe it is a menace. Uh, one more point. It's interesting that wars are never fought by individuals, but by armies. Uh, no army can create anything. To make a piece of music, to make a piece of art, to uh, bake a bread, you need an individual. Creation is the act of the individual. The destruction of creation is the mob. And how are our armies treated? Uh, the uniform is the same for everyone, except for the hierarchy of uh, those who order the war, who, who lead war. Uh, but the uniform is the same. Uh, identity is submerged into the, uh, uh, the mass, and uh, everybody acts under the same orders in the same way. If we ever stop war, there will be no more uniforms. There will be the individual, and while we will uh, allow each other uh, and, and guide each other uh, with laws, uh, it will be nonviolent laws. We will not kill each other in order to gain supremacy or get our way. Again, that's not going to happen in my lifetime, uh, and I'm not sure it will ever happen. Uh, but the very fact that we can conceive of such a situation, a world of poets, a world of artists, a world of chefs, a world of dancers, of singers, a world of individuals who create and take joy and meaning and purpose in the act of creation, um, uh, that we can think of it may be where a hope lies. Okay, uh, I think I've gone on long enough. Uh, I don't think there's anybody particularly live listening to this. Nobody's certainly calling in. 
Uh, I wish they would. Um, anyway, I'm going to say good night, goodbye. Uh, it's almost cocktail time. I have a really nice bottle of Merlot that I opened the other day, and uh, uh, it's waiting. I hear it beckoning me from the refrigerator. Um, actually, from the I don't put Merlot in the refrigerator. Uh, you could. It keeps it longer, but then you have to thaw it out, and that does some bad stuff to the wine. So I'm going to say uh, goodbye, and uh, I hope this reaches the ears of, uh, of uh, some people, maybe a lot of people, and I hope it has meaning. And if you get angry at this, like you got angry at the possibly angry at my one on religion, I would ask why are you angry, and ask yourself if you're angry, why are you threatened, because anger and rage are always a response to threat. Uh, and that's exactly how so many of our leaders get us to fight wars, by creating a threat, even when there is none. It's very easy to threaten us and say we have to go kill them before they come and kill us. So, uh, I will say good night, goodbye, good luck, good health, and uh, I will be on the air again uh, at some point when I think of uh, something meaningful and purposeful uh, that I have to say.